You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 194. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four and five-figure months, and then on to six and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking with you about why your conscious brain resists five, six, and seven plus figures with the amazing Gabby joining us all the way from Florida in the USA. If you wonder why you can't go or can't get from 5K to 10K months, or you're stuck at 30K months and struggling to get to 50K months, or you're just wanting to, you know, figure out like what that stuckness is. You're going to want to tune into this awesome episode. Why? Because your subconscious plays a big part on this, a huge part, actually. But so many women in business just focus on strategy. Yes, strategy is important. I mean, that is my zone of genius when I work with women. My trifecta is strategy, sales and marketing, accountability. And when you infuse those together, I help women make more money. So I'm a huge advocate about strategy. But understanding your subconscious brain is equally as important. On the podcast today, Gabby and I will be chatting with you about what is your subconscious brain? What happens in your brain when you set high monetary goals? We're also going to go into why does something as desirable as more money feel like less than desirable for your brain? We're going to be talking about upper limiting. We're going to talk about how can you tell what your subconscious blocks are? And there's so much more awesomeness that Gabby and I will be bringing you on this podcast episode today. But before we get started, this episode is sponsored by my two-hour strategy session for women in business. This two-hour strategy session is for you if you want to pick my brains about where you're stuck in business, if you want me to help you to create a roadmap and strategy on what to focus on next that will yield you the ROI you're looking for, if you want to run your launch strategy past me, if you want me to review your funnels, if you need help with messaging, but also if you want to learn how to decrease your overwhelm. If you want to feel motivated about your business again and anything in between, I've got two spots available for this month. So hop over to Instagram. My handle is Angela Henderson Consulting. Again, hop over to Instagram. Find me over there. My handle is Angela Henderson Consulting. Send me a DM and let's chat about how I can work with you in my two-hour strategy session this month. Now let's get into today's awesome episode. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you here today. Gabby, joining me all the way from Florida and ready to talk about why your subconscious brain resists five, six, and seven plus figures. So pumped to have you here today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So fun. So fun. Now, again, I always said, you know, we've got to press record at some stage. You and I were happily chatting away and I was like, oh my goodness, we need to press record or else we're not going to get this podcast interview done. So first things up, before I hop it straight into our topic of conversation today, I always like to my, ask to my guests a very fun question so that the audience just gets to know you a little bit more before we hop into your topic. So my first question that I want to ask you today is, recently I saw you had a very epic photo shoot done. Um, 
uh, which was with the most luscious outfits I've seen in a very long time. But outside of the photo shoot, I would say you are a woman with fashion is what I would say. So my question is, is what is your all time favorite place to shop and why? Gosh, I love that. <laughs> that that is the funnest question. So what is my all time favorite place to shop? You know what it is? Um, and some people I don't know if you guys have this in in Australia, but I really love Revolve clothing. No, we don't. Well, again, we could have it, but I'm sitting here in a hoodie. So I'm probably not <laughs> the right person to ask, but I don't think we have it. They've got the free two day shipping and free returns, which you cannot beat. Oh my goodness, that does sound pretty yeah. glamorous. And what type of clothing shop is it? Um, it's, it's like really, um, what I love is that in Miami, we kind of have a really different fashion cycle than everybody else because mm-hmm. we don't have winter at all. So yeah. so like this time of year, there's like nothing to be found in on, like online for us mm-hmm. because it's all coats and boots and stuff. <laughs> because um, it's so, snow season, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Revolve has lots of dresses, some nice flowy stuff. Uh, they just have like basically everything that you could imagine. Yeah, but does and I mean, like you said, where you live, I mean, I live in Queensland, Australia, which it's pretty much sunny year round, but it does get like cool, but we don't have snow on the ground. But yes, it is always funny when you look at like, again, I would know Target. But when you look at Target, what we have in Target in Queensland versus what they would have in Target in the rest of Australia, where there might be snow, it's completely different. And so yes, the struggle totally, is real. totally different. <laughs> yeah, the struggle friend. is so real. Like October, I'm just like, nothing is going to be relevant for me for another six months. You're like, yes, hopefully everything fits and that you can use your stuff from last year so that you can find and be comfy. Now, listen, now that we know that you've got this amazing love of shopping and that Revolve is your place to go, I'd love for you to share with the audience, where did you start your career or business and what are you up to now? Oh, so I actually started um, my, my career as a lawyer before being mm-hmm. a business coach. And then in 2015, I had my son and decided, you know, while I was on maternity leave, got a little bit bored. I'm going to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Those first couple of months, nobody prepares you for the amount of sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's done. Also, nobody tells you that this is the last time that they're going to be sleeping like that. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and so I ended up starting like a design and stationary business just on maternity leave to kind of you know entertain myself. And then it ended up actually taking off. And so that was my first business. And I ran that for five years and it grew it into a six-figure business and then transitioned into business coaching and helping other women do the same. Dude, fantastic. I love it. And what have you, what were some of the things that you found great about your first business and what were some of the things that you struggled with? So it's so funny. My first business, I did it, and and you probably know this as, as a as a business coach, right? I did it what I thought was the wrong way, mm-hmm. which was not no having no plan, taking things day by day, mm-hmm. um, responding to things as they came up, um, really starting and just starting with a product. And then the second time, I was like, I'm going to do this right. I am going to, you know, come out with like a product suite and and do all this big fancy stuff. And then I realized that doesn't work. What actually works is what I did the first time, just taking consistent action mm-hmm. and doing it imperfectly. That's the only way to start a business. So I did that right the first time for sure other than that my 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 subconscious was a mess (laughs) and we are going to talk about that definitely today but that's the thing right like I think people, when we're starting off, we can be a bit reactive, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. I think we can panic at times, right? Because we might see, again, we're consuming other things on social media that might appear that everyone has their shit together, right? But the reality of it is, is that imperfect action will always still trump everything else. Because 
if you think about it, if you took one action a day, just one action, that's still 365 actions a year that have cumulatively come together to move you and get the momentum you need to keep going, right? Versus someone who then doesn't take any action for 20 days, then does a little bit of action. You're still always progressing, even if it's imperfect action. So I totally agree the beauty about imperfect action, but yet there's this pressure we put on ourselves that everything must be right. I also think, again, as I've been learning more about human design over the last year, like the way our brain works and the way our brain ticks, a plan might work well for someone, but it could be the worst things than sliced bread for someone else and actually hinder and stunt their growth, right? So I always say too, like if you're in those beginning stages, learn a little bit about your human design because I found personally, I gave myself a lot more grace because I understood more about how my design worked for me, not against me. And it was game changer. Yeah. Yeah, we were having a great conversation about human design before this. You're a projector. I'm a generator. So mm-hmm. for me, that responding was key. And I thought that, you know, I had to come out with that, come out of the gate with a perfect plan. Like, that's not how I'm supposed to work. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to take the one step, see how it feels, then respond. All right, what's the next opportunity coming mm-hmm. and grow that way? Yep, absolutely. So yeah, human design, whole nother conversation. I did bring on one of uh, Erin Claire Jones. I don't know if you know Erin Claire. And she, Erin yeah, Claire Jones, she's an amazing human. She's spoken at my events and she's also been on the podcast. So if you are wanting human design, I'd go back and listen to that podcast episode. I don't have the number off, but look for Erin Claire Jones on human design. Very interesting. And again, I just think so powerful if you can understand those components. But today though, we're talking about the subconscious brain and how it resists five, six, and even seven plus figures because we're all a work in progress, right? We never stop working on things internally. As I say, often your external world is a reflection of your internal world. Yet so many of us won't tap into the internal part, right? We continue to suppress or we continue to go out of sight, out of mind, or we don't have to want to get snotty and teary, right? So there is a little bit of like, oh, do I really want to go down there even though I probably do? I'm all about it. Uh, That's where I'm going to believe growth has happened significantly for me. So let's start with, I like all of us to be on the same page. And so my first question is, is let's define just basic, basic language. What is your subconscious brain? So your subconscious is really where your beliefs are stored, where your memories are stored. Um, It's the place where you respond uh, to external stimuli, whether it's emotional stimuli or physical stimuli physical uh, steers into more of like the reptilian brain side, but where you really are responding to experiences based on this kind of database that you have Mm -hmm. of a catalog, right. Of prior experiences. Mm -hmm. And with that subconscious, when does it like, I'm assuming again, I'm, I know, but I want the audience to know a little bit more what, like it starts at birth, right? These, the database that you're talking about starts to store these beliefs and everything else from birth. Correct. Yeah. And actually we have some data that it's like, even before birth, it's, it's while you're in utero even. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, pre-birth up until you're about seven or eight. So mm-hmm. it's kind of scary. Uh, you have a, basically a small child behind the the steering wheel of, of this vehicle. Of this vehicle. Yep. And so when it comes to, cause obviously we could talk so much about the subconscious brain on so many different facets, but today we're specifically talking about the money component of it. 
So I'm curious then to know then what happens in your brain when you set those high monetary goals? Because a lot of times it's one of the first things that I see when I'm working with my clients is I need a revenue goal. I need a revenue goal. I need a revenue goal. Okay. That's always great. And that's well, but we can also have other revenue goals, but specifically for today, let's you know talk about, we're all setting high monetary goals. What happens to our brain when we start to set these goals? So the first thing is that your brain reads it as change because nine times out of 10, if you're wanting to make five, six, seven figures, you're not already making them. Mm-hmm. And with that change comes a bunch of projection from your subconscious mind. It's going to project onto that change all kinds of negative beliefs based on past experiences that you had. If you had parents that fought, if you had an aunt or uncle that lost their business, if you had um, a, a bad prior experience uh, as a child, right, mm-hmm. with, with achievement or something, it's going to project all of those past experiences and say, we actually don't want this. And it's going to repel whatever it is that mm-hmm. your conscious mind is telling you that you desire. And so for when it starts to repel, for example, will people automatically know it's repelling or is it again, it's just like somewhere in the brain, it's like you get this feeling something's not quite right, but you can't put a name to it. Like, what does that look like a little bit more? Oh, it's so funny. And it can look so many different ways. I find that one of the strongest ways that it comes up is Mm self-sabotage and and people just will sabotage their goals. They'll have high income months Mm -hmm. and then plummet their income. They will like base, you know, if, if you're not familiar with a subconscious mind and how it works, you can burn down your whole business, Mm -hmm. um, based on one small, you know, touch of success. And, and, and usually it's, it's just your, your subconscious ricochets off of, you know, achievement when something goes well, your brain has, you know, a lot of the time we have a built in belief system that when things go up, they must come down when things are going well, the other shoes going to drop. Mm-hmm. That's a really big one to break. Um, but one of the biggest ways that I find that it shows up, Carol Lowenthal has a great podcast episode on perfectionist tendencies and tomorrow thinking mm-hmm. and people subconsciously push their goals away and they have to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So whereas they maybe started with, you know, I'd love to make 10k a month after mm-hmm. 4 months, they're like, well now I need to be making 50k a month. Oh, now I need to be making 100k a month. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is subconsciously pushing it and attaching this perfectionism to it and and mm-hmm. nothing's ever going to be good enough until it's this perfect, you know, well, talking about imperfect action. Mm-hmm. See, so the imperfect action is when it starts to go. Have you seen, you talked about self-sabotage. Have you seen any other uh, perfectionism, self-sabotage? What are some of the other characteristics that you've seen in the clients that you've worked with that are blocking them, right, from making these five, six, seven figures? Um, all kinds of things. It shows up a lot in visibility. People mm-hmm. stop uh, showing up online. People stop selling. People stop posting. And then they wonder why the sales aren't coming in. Mm-hmm. You're sabotaging yourself. You're not showing up. Um, and actually, it comes up in coaching. Most of the people that I work with are coaches. And in that client relationship dynamic, you know, people will sabotage that coaching container sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, if imposter syndrome gets the best of them, um, they won't show up at their fullest. And sometimes will actually have like conflict in their in their um, coaching container. And, and then of course, sabotage themselves even further because now this person dropped out or demanded a refund or whatever. And, and, and we really create these scenarios for ourselves so often. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean about we create these scenarios, because 
we we're creating scenarios every single day, whether or not we are tuning into it or whether or not we're tuning out of it, the scenarios happen. It could be picking a fight with our kids, picking a fight with our partners, right? I mean, they start to show up. What other examples, let's say outside of business where these things might be showing up in someone else's life? Yeah. And and so most of my clients are pretty, they're familiar with the subconscious mind. They Mm -hmm. understand their triggers. So when these things are happening to them, they don't understand where they're coming from. And I tell them, you know, you're creating them. And they say, there's no way, there's no Mm -hmm. way that I would create this. It's totally undesirable. But when you can track back to, you know, what caused this, this, you know, container to go wrong, or what caused you to stop showing up, you can usually trace it back to like, tiny micro actions and micro inactions. And I tell my clients, it's really as simple as like answering a phone call that you wouldn't normally answer. It's it's as simple as like calling that one person that you know, is going to get you in a negative mindset, right before whatever it is that is scary to you. And it's because our subconscious is desiring that uh, sabotage on Mm -hmm. some level. It's like the chaos. And because with the chaos comes the return to our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so with that, I mean, comfort zone, it's a very big conversation, isn't it, right? Because who who wants to just go like, yeah, I'm going to jump out of a plane today, for example. Obviously, that's an extreme one. Or yay, I'm going to have to go and do an Instagram live today. No one likes to have to get out of their comfort zone. But what are your thoughts about the power that can come from getting out of your comfort zone and getting out of your way? I love that you asked this because we were actually just, I have a community dreamer to do and we were having this discussion yesterday. And, and I think that the same way that there's a lot of, of, you know, um, desire and people talk about getting out of your comfort zone, there's also some hate for your comfort zone. And that's really all that we have as humans is that Mm -hmm. feeling of safety, that feeling of security. And for me as a subconscious coach, it's about helping my clients rebuild that at the next level. Mm-hmm. help them make it so that the next level doesn't feel like you're jumping out of a plane, but mm-hmm. so that it feels so familiar that your brain is almost confused. And it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're, we're right where we just were. This doesn't feel any scarier or any different mm-hmm. because when you can create from that place and get and move forward from that place, it's much more sustainable and much more secure in the long run. Mm-hmm. And how much of the subconscious is about control and letting go of control? Because when you talk about like that familiarity, right, is that you're wanting to be able to teach them about being familiar so it doesn't feel as scary. There has to be an element also, again, I'm going to make an assumption here where there's a lot of us, if you think about uh, strong, not all strong women, that's not the right way I want to say it. Some of us, when we're starting off in business, I'll say that, not just women, but when some of us are starting off in business, we have those perfectionist characteristics like you were just talking about earlier on, right? Where again, and that can block us from moving forward. Everything has to be done right versus taking imperfect action. How much of that also then impacts um, control and not having control? Because a lot of times that perfectionism is also underlying control. I need to know what's happening next. How is this going to happen? What is it about also just us letting go of that process? And again, that familiarity, are those all interweaved together or not? Yeah, absolutely. And I I always think that control is really like a false sense of security. It's us Mm -hmm. deluding ourselves into thinking that we're in control of the outcome, that we are safe somehow. And it's Mm -hmm. like nine times out of 10, it's not true. The Mm -hmm. the moments that we think we're in control, we're actually not. We're just holding on so tight that Mm -hmm. we're not letting things happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some of the things that we're not letting happen, we actually want to happen. You Mm -hmm. know, when we think about business growth and we think about, you know, what it takes to to grow to 10K months or 50K or 100K months, it requires letting go. 
Mm-hmm. Because when you're holding on, when you're saying, you know, it's going to go work this way, that feels safe to you, but it doesn't work. Like life does not work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ends up being, it, it's like another pattern of self-destruction, basically. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now back to the money. Again, sometimes my questions can go off because I'm like, oh, my God, can we unpack this? Can we unpack this? I love so it. my question that we go back to the subconscious brain, specifically around money, I'm curious to know why does something as desirable as more money feel less than desirable less than desirable to our brains it's so funny I would say that money is like the greatest scapegoat of society mm-hmm. and there's so much that we project onto money um good and bad mm-hmm. and and I always have my clients so one of the, the biggest things is like really learning to detach from money mm-hmm. period right? Money, using money as a tool, seeing money as an energy and seeing it less as like this be all end all, whether for good or for bad. So I always have my clients do this exercise that I found really helpful for me when I was starting. And and we're in the same community when it comes to to money mindset, Mm -hmm. Denise Duffield Thomas. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as I started doing the work in Denise's program, I kind of realized like, my gosh, when you say money is, so money is security, money is safety, money is, um, you know, whatever that thing is your real block. That's the Mm -hmm. thing that you actually don't think is possible for you. And you're projecting that impossibility onto money. So for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, it means safety. They might've grown up in a house that felt unsafe. For Mm -hmm. other people, money is validation and they Mm -hmm. feel like they're not good enough to be validated or they're not validating themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's really the more that you can just literally just remove money from the equation and start Mm -hmm. focusing on whatever it is that that you're projecting onto money and work through that, Mm-hmm. I find that it's so much more powerful. Is there is there something I know you could use the example of money is for those listeners out there right now was is that what you suggest they do see, speak that sentence and see what comes? Yeah, see what comes to you and see what you're and it's really interesting and then once you arrive at that thing whatever money is and it's always going to evolve. I've had phases where it's like money is safety. And I've like worked through, you know, the nervous system regulation and Mm -hmm. the, you know, kind of like looking around and being like, where am I treating money in a way that makes me feel unsafe? Right. Where Mm -hmm. do I have debt? Where do I have this? But, and also where did I get those beliefs from that debt is unsafe or that, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this uh, way that I'm, I'm running things is unsafe. Is that objectively true? Mm -hmm. So just kind of getting curious about when you say money is what does that? Yeah. And like, again, so much of our, you know, Denise also often talks about like, you know, when you're a kid and you're picking up money and you're like, oh, and your parents like money's, you know, don't put that in your mouth. Don't pick that. But that's dirty. Right. Like little oh, yeah. subtle comments that have been made to us can significantly impact our growth to five, six and seven figures because of what do mean we're still holding on to, even if we don't realize we're holding on to it. Yes. Yeah. And in so many relationships um, where money has really been something that caused a break of some kind, whether it's, you know, in a marriage or a family, right? There's so many family feuds that have started over money, over wills, over whatever yeah. else. Um, really, really looking and seeing where was that about money and where was that break always present? Where was it about communication and a lack mm-hmm. of communication? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think it's easy to blame money and it's easy to avoid money, but mm-hmm. those relationship patterns and those communication patterns are bigger. Mm-hmm. And they have an ongoing impact, right? Like it's, you know, the example that I often use is if you think about, I've got a transgenerational pattern in our family, which is my grandmother stopped or my mother stopped talking. No, 
my grandmother stopped talking to my great grandmother. My mother stopped talking to my grandmother. I don't talk to my mother, right? And so I, I am full as an ex-mental health clinician, et cetera. I'm very aware of the, the patterns of behavior, but I'm also equally aware of uh, what does this mean for my relationship with my daughter? I know I will. I don't uh, the to break that pattern. I don't like using the words harder because I never want anything to be harder. But the essence for this particular podcast is I will have to work at this relationship with my daughter because of the patterns that have happened generationally. Right. But also with what I've seen and what I've witnessed. So I'm consciously having to be aware of some of the things that are going on uh, to break that pattern. It's not easy. One hundred percent. But it's uh it's if you're choosing to and this is another thing that I talk often about choice if you whatever Gabby and I talk about today you don't have to do anything with it don't go and unpack what money is and fill in the blank don't but then I also say don't bitch that you stay where we're at right because there's this essence of we all have choice on what we do with the information we have we have choice on how we want to you know work with someone like Gabby work with someone like me go work with someone else whatever you want but if we really want to make change, it just doesn't happen. Would you agree, Gabby? Like it just doesn't like you just go, oh, I want, like when I, t- when I think about people who want to manifest and they're like, oh, and there's people out there teaching, which I don't necessarily agree with, just manifest a Lambo. Yeah. Well, it fucking isn't just going to show up on your driveway, mm-hmm. right? Like you still have to go and take action. You still have to probably get clients. You probably still have to sell something. It doesn't mean you have to work hard, but you still have to take whatever you're manifesting and put action with it in order to make it happen. If not, we'd all be dreaming of Lambos or mansions or whatever we want. And then they'd end up in our driveway. It doesn't work like that. And it's the same stuff with this money stuff, right? Uh, with uh, transformation, all of it is we've got to do the work. We still have to put in in order to take out. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Two things. Um, the first is that, yes, absolutely. And, and even, you know, I always tell people it's a choice. It's a choice that you make every single day and that you have to keep making. Mm-hmm. And, and people don't want to hear that. Sometimes they want to hear that. Then it just becomes easy. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it becomes easy because you choose it every single day because mm-hmm. you wake up every single day and it's not an option for you not to be this way mm-hmm. because you already evolved into this mm-hmm. person. There's mm-hmm. nowhere for you to go back. And then the second is that when it comes to like manifestation, when it comes to all of this personal development, for me, the way that I think, and I tell my clients, it's just becoming frictionless to success. It's mm-hmm. just becoming so that the friction, it, it, things are going to come. There are going to be obstacles. It's going to be hard, but that hardness is not going to come from you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be from your environment. It's going to be because business is innately hard, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be you sabotaging yourself mm-hmm. into this space. Yep. Ooh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Now, speaking of it, we kind of transition into uh, upper limiting, right? Let's talk about upper limiting. What happens when you get to five figures, six figures, right? Moving on to seven figures, but without doing this work, because there are people that I would say have started a business. And then they get to a million dollars, but then sometimes shit starts to crumble, right? So I'm curious to know what happens, you know, with this upper limiting when we start to hit these things without doing this work. Yeah, well, so upper limiting, I don't know if everybody's familiar, it's from the the Big Leap, which Mm -hmm. is an amazing book. And he talks about the upper limit problem where when you reach what you perceive to be the limit, you're, you know, for a lot of people that might be six figures, that might be seven figures. Mm -hmm. And you reach a point where your subconscious mind cannot get on board with anything past this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, probably can't even get on board with where you are. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And what happens is that, you know, it can be really big and people, like I was saying, you know, just burn down their whole business, totally self-destruct. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really, really subtle. And you're looking for other areas in your life to ruin because mm-hmm. sometimes we're, we're aware enough to say, well, I'm not going to ruin my business because like I got this far, but mm-hmm. I will pick a fight with my partner. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will get really upset with my kids. I will, you know, um, crash my car, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which is like another one, all these little things that come up. Um, and, and, and they basically just, what happens is that we, they end up devolving us into chaos a little bit, because again, mm-hmm. you know, our, our brain can't hold on to the belief that things can be that good. Mm-hmm. And I think also it just goes back to that same belief that we talked about earlier, that other shoe dropping is so firmly ingrained in our consciousness that there's so it's, you know, all the stories, right? Mm-hmm. Cinderella, you think about, you know, fairy tales, like, mm-hmm. Oh, midnight, like, your fantasy is over, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, it's all and, gone. And, poof. It's gone. Yeah. And, and, and we think the same, Oh, I got to seven figures. All right. Um, when am I turning back into a pumpkin? You mm-hmm. know, yeah. how much do you think though, upper limiting versus lifestyle? And let me explain that a little bit. How would people know that they've hit an upper limit or they're just comfortable where they're at? One of the things that we've been talking about in Mastermind and inside of Profit Pillars too was around the essence of like, are you are you building a lifestyle business or are you building an Instagram worthy business, right? And what we talked about is there's some, or are you chasing this empire, but you don't actually want the empire, but because that's what you're seeing on social media, then that's what you think you should be doing, right? So when I talk about this, how would they know when they've hit an upper limit versus how do they know that they're comfortable with what they've created? I'll take it one step further is that I don't know when it's been bad just to make a hundred thousand dollars and be happy. I don't know when we stop being comfortable with $250,000 and being happy, right? It's like, there's this like, or that it's not successful. Because if I only, air quotes, make 250K, that means I'm not successful because other people are making millions. Does that make sense? And so yeah. I'm curious to know when, because this is one of the things that I talk to my own clients about is we need to figure out what lights you up, what excites you, and what are you actually wanting Because so often people are wanting other people's dreams and ambitions and they forget what they're wanting for themselves. So what do you think is the difference between how would they know when they're at an upper limit, for example, versus actually I'm just content and happy with what I already have? Yeah. So for me, I mean, first of all, it starts with the deconditioning, right? It Mm -hmm. starts with deconditioning the beliefs of the people around you around what's good enough and what's not. I see Mm -hmm. so many women in sessions who they don't even really know what's good enough. They're chasing their parents' ideal of like, you know, they felt like a B was good enough for them, but their parents wanted the A and they're left wondering, well, why is what I want not good enough? Obviously, Mm -hmm. it's not. And they're constantly chasing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing for me is that the biggest difference is that one feels contracting and one feels expanding. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when you're trying to grow, because you're trying to be the best version of you, because and and it's not about money, right? It's about who you become. Mm -hmm. To make more to make that money, right? What the money is, is the consequence of and it's the growth, it's the impact, it's the the person that you 
it's becoming more of you mm-hmm. essentially, right? Is what we try to do as business owners and especially as kind of like spiritually centered ones. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, when you are upper limiting, it feels really contracting when you're trying to achieve from a place of, of you know, a place that you're not meant to go essentially, mm-hmm. um, or that you don't ultimately desire to go. That's not in alignment, which is like a buzzword that's so thrown around. Mm-hmm. It feels really contracting. And that's why you start sabotaging other areas of your life because subconsciously your brain doesn't want to go there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want that thing. Yeah. No, I love the difference between expanding and contracting because if you're in your happy place at 250K, you've got, I don't know what it is, your white picket fence, you've got your dog, you're able to pick your kids up from school, you're going on holidays and you're content, that will feel expansive, right? Mm -hmm. But if it starts to feel that contracting feeling, well, then there's probably things that we need to look at more, right? Because it's just one of these things that I see on session after session, well, yeah, I want the million dollars. Do you really? Why? Why do you want the million dollars? Well, that's what I see other people doing. But what the fuck do you want? right? Like what lights you up? So that would be a whole nother podcast, but no, I just curious about what your thoughts are because again, that expanding and that contracting is a really great way for people to be able to kind of look at it uh, when they're getting stuck. Now, can you tell me a little bit about people out there going, okay, great. You've been talking about the subconscious. You've been talking about upper limiting. There's, I think there's something that I probably maybe need to get curious about. Maybe, maybe not. How can individuals tell what you know, their subconscious block is, is there, is there a way or something that you could suggest for them to know, like tune in with this and this might be this, like, what are your thoughts about how can you tell what your subconscious blocks are? I always tell people, um, you would be amazed at what can come up consciously, Mm -hmm. right? What you are consciously aware of the memories that you're storing, even on a conscious level Mm -hmm. um, that you would notice are connected to this one block that you might be experiencing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have, you know, money blocks, you can jump out every time that money has come up in your life. Right. Which we do Mm -hmm. Um, now going a little bit deeper, um, something like RTT rapid transformational therapy, which is what I'm certified in. It's a form Mm -hmm. of hypnotherapy and it takes you back to the root cause. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people there is like pretty much no way for you to know what it was that was the root cause of this issue, because it's going to be so out there. It is so minute. It is so insignificant nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it did is that it formed a belief when you were a really, really young child Mm -hmm. um, and people forget how confusing it is to be a kid. Mm-hmm. and how much we are kind of left to make our own assumptions. And people always look at the big, big trauma. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I'm like this because my parents got divorced. I'm like this because of this. And yes, that's true. But I find that that in general, we tend to do a lot of talking around big trauma. We tend to do a lot of processing on that around that on a conscious level mm-hmm. so that our beliefs never get um, like so concrete for that, you mm-hmm. know, but, but the small things that happen, you know, it's like looking, giving your parent an art painting and they're just like, Oh, this is great. And dismiss it. I've had that come up so many times in sessions. Mm-hmm. People are like, I never felt good enough. Nobody would point to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And say, Oh, it's cause you know, when I was young, I, I did an art painting once my mom didn't listen to me, mm-hmm. but when it comes up in the session, now they can understand why they feel this way. And mm-hmm. it also gives you a lot of power to realize that so many of the big things in your life are a result of the small things. Mm-hmm. I think that is super powerful. When I was doing, I did 12 sessions of hypnotherapy last year. I'm currently on week three, again, of another kind of cycle. And I've shared in the podcast before about, um, it was again, something that I believe in. We were going to talk a little bit more about this, the difference between talking therapy, mindset, hypnotherapy, and then rapid transformation therapy is that I, long story, a client said, oh, hey, I thought I was going to get more templates when I worked with you as a one-on-one client. I was initially triggered. I was like, well, why? In my brain, I was like, 
But I was like, you've had seven templates. I don't do cookie cutter. I've given you the templates. Like, and then I was like, well, hold on. That's part of her stuff, right? We need to figure that out. But then I need to figure out why was I triggered? So when I got to the hypnotherapy session that week, they said, well, anything come up for you? And I said, yes. I said, this is clearly still pissing me off. And I don't know why. So they said, let's see. So they cut it down. And when we went into hypnotherapy, it was when I was 20 years old in my mom's kitchen and her laptop was open. It had my brother's name, my name, my sister's name. It was like a dating site. And she was messaging someone back. And she'd said, well, Angela's a doctor. She's got a GPA of 4. Or she's in doctorate school. She's got a GPA of 4.0, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't. I wasn't a doctor or planning to be a doctor. I didn't have a GPA. Whatever. And my brain and she was like, why would mom write that? I never thought anything of it until last year, 22 years after that, right? When this client triggered me. And what it was is when I initially saw that, I initially thought somewhere I was not enough. So when my client said that, I was like, oh, I'm not enough. So again, I believe that no, no amount of talking therapy would have gotten me there mindset maybe but I think I would have had a lot of to have a lot of sessions but the hypnotherapy session within mm-hmm. one hour we got to the root of what that mm-hmm. what that trigger was right and yeah. so the power with that is pretty enormous so my question is is based on that example of me with that hypnotherapy is there a difference between the rapid transformation and what I had done just so that people can kind of understand where they might seek and get either support from you or someone else Yeah. So in general, it's very similar. Um, RTT uses hypnotherapy and it also uses some elements of cognitive behavioral therapy and a lot of NLP Mm -hmm. um, to really, the the beauty of RTT is that it's done in a single session. So it's Mm -hmm. one single session really closes that loop and rewires that belief. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and whereas I think hypnotherapy can be more of like an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. RTT is kind of like, but I always tell people, you know, it really depends because you're going to need more sessions for different issues Mm -hmm. if, if they present different. Um, I've had RTT sessions where the same scenes come up, but in a different issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's like, and they're different beliefs, um, mm-hmm. but it's the same idea where you get to that root and you figure out not just um, because probably when you had that too, it's like, I'm not good enough as I am. And also this belief, like I have to be somebody different for this person mm-hmm. to like me or be proud of me. And then that person is like, Oh, I thought you were kind of a template coach. And you're like, no, I'm not. That's what makes me awesome. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Would I be more awesome if I was a template coach? Do people yeah. really want me to be this, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And, and it triggers that people pleasing for us. What I'm saying is definitely, I mean, super interesting, but again, but that's a notion of me being willing to go and dive deeper, right? And that's where like, I wanted to bring you on the podcast today because I want people to know that, yes, we can do strategy. Yes, we can do all those things, but strategy is only going to get you so far. The analogy that I often use is if you went and bought a 2020 planner or diary calendar, whatever you call it this year, going, I'm going to kick ass this year. I'm going to make it my best year ever. Yeah, you might. But if you think the planner is going to save you, you know, you might want to double check that, right? Because it's not just the planner and the strategy, in my opinion, that's just going to save you. It's going to be the actions that you take, the strategy you put behind it. And again, in my opinion, your willingness to look within, right? And not always be looking without. So now for those businesses, because I know we're going to have to wrap um, here soon, for those businesses who are like, ooh, I need a little Gabby in my life, how can they connect with you? And what type of offers do you have that they can come and check things out? So the easiest way is through my website, gabbyabrams.com. I've got a a money hypnotherapy recording, a money hypnosis track that you can listen to, get your money mindset rewired in, in 28 days while you sleep. So that's always super popular and a 
great option for kind of getting into my world and dipping your toes into RTT. And in there also, I have a four session bundle that is amazing. So it's four RTT sessions for each of the most common blocks that I see entrepreneurs facing, imposter syndrome, visibility, money blocks, and fear of success. And then finally, I have a a community open year round dreamer to doer where we really do a lot of this subconscious heavy lifting with the focus of action, taking imperfect action, letting go a little bit um, while maintaining that sense of safety that we were kind of talking about. So all of that's available on my website. That's probably the best place to start. All right. Fantastic. And we'll make sure to include all those links in the show notes also. And one final question, my friend, that I like to ask everyone is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started off in business? You know, speaking of upper limiting, I always think of that one. I wish I had known that upper limits were a thing because when my first business hit six figures for the year and I wasn't even consciously aware of it because I wasn't very good at tracking, but like subconsciously I knew and, and I like imploded my whole life. Like mm-hmm. found myself like dealing with secondary infertility. We were moving. I made, the, you know, buying our first house was like the worst experience ever. Um, I was fighting with my husband. Every mm-hmm. single thing that could go wrong, I made it go wrong. Mm-hmm. It was all me, 100% yep. me. And, and now I'm like, oh, you were upper limiting, you poor, sweet baby entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, I love it. So again, and I'm glad that you were able to talk about that more on the podcast episode today. So my friend, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I know it's becoming the end of the day for you and you'll turn on from uh, business owner hat into mom hat very quickly. But before we sign off, please remember that the team and I will be putting together the show notes for this podcast episode over at AngelaHenderson.com.au where we'll make sure to include all of Gabby's links too. And for you, amazing human, have an amazing day no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again for your time today, Gabby. It was enlightening, enriching, and I'm super excited that women have a little bit more knowledge about their subconscious and what this looks like for them. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm super grateful. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson www.angelahenderson.com.au